wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships, join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. feel about your birth team? Have you considered what you're hoping for in pregnancy, birth, and postpartum from each person that you invite to be part of your team? And how will they offer you support and care? Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth podcast. My guest today is extra special to me. Clancy McCartney is a registered nurse, a student nurse midwife who spent over a decade as a documentary film producer with Every Mother Counts, the maternal health advocacy nonprofit founded by Christy Turlington Burns that aims to make pregnancy and childbirth safer globally. Prior to becoming a student midwife, Clancy completed her doula training with me, which makes this so extra special to have watched her incredible journey. She's also co-founder of Pregnancy Pathways, a consulting company providing education, resources, and guidance on how to find birth teams and settings for expectant parents in Los Angeles. She most recently became a mom, giving birth at home, surrounded by midwives, And she's here to share her wisdom with us, talking about storytelling and birth work. Welcome, Clancy. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for having me. It is such a pleasure. And I've really had the honor of kind of watching you. I saw you as you began with Christy and made that, you know, phenomenal and important documentary, No No Woman, No Cry, right? And you did so many different pieces and shorts together. And so can you tell us a little bit more about that journey? Because you really were filming births even before you started on a path to be a doula, a midwife and a mom. Yeah. You know, and you're obviously always like top of mind in this whole journey because your documentary, Orgasmic Birth, was one of the first films I had ever seen really with regards to pregnancy and childbirth in general, because I was straight out of college, just trying to break into documentary film work and focusing on reproductive health, but didn't know much about pregnancy or childbirth really in the grand scheme of things. And was very fortunate to meet Christy while she was developing No Woman, No Cry about you know global maternal mortality. And your film was one of the the first films that I watched kind of as as research. And it obviously opened my eyes to a whole other side of birth because I'm I'm that typical, you know, American consumer who had just seen the media's portrayal of, of childbirth growing up and just, you know, women screaming and just this thing to the kind of fear and and then I got to see it in the light that you portrayed, you know, which was this beautiful experience that could be just, you know, sensual and pleasurable, but also like, of course, to create such a welcoming and beautiful environment to welcome your, you know, your child into she just like major transformative experience. So that was really, you know, I always think of you like when I'm starting off in this, when I started off in this journey, 
But yeah, I'm sorry, just to go back to, I guess you were asking kind of where, how my journey. How that journey, because, and first of all, I'm so honored, right? Like to hear that just touches my heart. You know, when we do projects, we never know the ripple effect it has. So thank you for that. And you took that and knowing the work that you did with Christy and Every Mother Counts and so many important shorts and films that you did. How did that journey kind of then unfold to you becoming a doula and a midwife? Yeah, well, I mean, I do think that you probably were the first doula that I ever met because <laughs> you were one of the very first people that we were consulting with when we made a woman no cry. And, and then, you know, like I said, watching your film and then through that film, which was highlighting maternal mortality. I mean, that was our focus. I got to meet birth workers all over the world. And, you know, I think when people think of kind of the through line of birth workers, it's really the community health workers. And a lot of times that's what a midwife is and or a doula. And so midwives and doulas were the first people that I was really, you know, filming and interviewing and getting to follow in their day-to-day lives and their work. And I immediately was drawn to the midwives and the doulas. And I just felt like such a, like a warmth from them and a, you know, just like to see their dedication and and commitment to their communities. It really was so beautiful. And I never in a million years thought I would be a health worker. That's like not something that I was exposed to growing up, you know, was this idea of that's the career path. Like my, my world that I grew up in Los Angeles was really, you know, I wanted to be an artist. I, <laughs> I wanted to, create like you know and and originally it was like fashion design and and then it became documentary films and so I wasn't really exposed to that idea as a concept of working in healthcare but the more I stuck out with every mother counts and just spent like you mentioned over a decade just working alongside midwives and healthcare workers documenting their work I really just became more and more inspired and I finally and I and I developed so many wonderful relationships and mentors such as yourself and so many others and so they were really helping shape this idea of like you could do it if you want you know you could become a midwife and I was in my mid 20s and Jenny Joseph you know one of the great midwives that we worked so closely with at Every Mother Counts who's based in Florida I was with her up late one night I think like documenting a birth in her birth center and she's like just go become a doula first like don't make this big commitment to become a midwife because you know it really does take a lot and it can be really burdensome as you've witnessed and just the take the gradual steps to see you know and the first is do your doula training and then do a couple births and see how that feels for you so you're you're of course the doula master that I know, <laughs> the queen doula. So I get back to New York and sign up for your doula training. And I did that over, I guess I was 25 or 26 and loved that. I mean, that was eye-opening as we did a whole day of childbirth education, which I was like, why isn't this taught in high school? Like, why is this taught in middle school? Like everybody needs this education. And the energy of the other doula students, you know, that was just like everybody was crying at the end of the day. I had like, I was, was so emotional just doing that training, but I loved it so much and I just learned so much. And then by the nature of my work with Every Mother Counts in filmmaking, I was pretty much just one-on-one with a lot of pregnant women that I was filming. So I became kind of a by default doula for a lot of them because I was with them throughout their pregnancy journey 
I would, you know, attend prenatal sessions with them. I'd be in births, you know, in their births and in their postpartum and kind of helping facilitate resources for them as well. And so I wanted to do my doula training a lot also to, to help with that kind of work because I didn't, I didn't know that that much in terms of what I was doing besides the filmmaking part. So then I volunteered for a couple births on my own aside from the film work and I loved it. I mean, I just, I wanted to know more though. I was like, this is great, but I want to take the next step. Like I want to know what's going on when the you know, medical personnel come in and they're discussing. And so I finally, I moved back to LA, but I was still working with Every Mother Counts. And I decided after attending ACNM, they had their, the, you know, the National Midwife Free Conference and all the midwives were, you know, were there celebrating. And Kara Osborne, who's a midwife mentor of mine, she's like, you got to do this. And I'm, I'm almost 30 two at that point. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to go back to school at 32 years old? But I came home and I, I didn't. Signed up for prerequisite courses because to become a nurse midwife, which was a decision that I had made versus becoming a certified professional midwife, that would give me access to work in hospitals and it would give me access to work in a more federally recognized level. I don't know if a lot of people really understand the difference between CPMs or licensed midwives and nurse midwives, but licensed midwives or also known as certified professional midwives, they really work in the community. They do home birth or birth center birth, and they're not able to work in every single state, uh, but they're experts in, in normal physiologic birth. It's just, it's a much more difficult path if you're trying to branch out and work in a variety of settings. So I chose the nursing route, which meant that I had to go to nursing school first, which requires a couple years of taking basically a post back. So chemistry, biology, <laughs> like anatomy, I had to go do that while I was still working. And then eventually I went to nursing school in 2019. And that I did an accelerated program. That was my second bachelor's degree, which is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> and then I had to work as a nurse for a year as a labor and delivery nurse. And then I was able to go get my master's to become a midwife, which was really great. And so that's where I'm at right now is I'm in the middle of my master's program, becoming a midwife. Thank you for explaining not only your journey, but the difference between midwives. But I have another question for you. And I know I get it all the time and you probably get it. What's the difference between a midwife and a doula? That is the number one question. <laughs> Everybody asks that. Most people, I'd say the majority of people I come across actually truly don't know the difference or if there is a difference. So, I mean, you obviously are the doula expert, but <laughs> doulas are, they are emotional support. They're your advocate. They are continuous support during labor. They obviously support during the prenatal period as well and postpartum, but they are not, they're not a medical professional. So they don't have the medical training to assist in birth. So a midwife is a medical provider. So they can be also considered, if you're a nurse midwife, you're an advanced practice nurse. So like a nurse practitioner, you are able to prescribe medication. You obviously can help in normal physiologic birth. So you deliver the baby, but you also can provide care to people throughout their entire lifespan as a midwife. So in my training at school, a lot of the midwives are almost trained as primary care providers because they are the community provider. 
So the only thing really that begins to differentiate between a midwife and a doctor or physician is, of course, the surgical training. So when surgery comes into the conversation, then a doctor will take over. But yeah, so I, I usually say the difference is the medical medical training. Yeah. Great description. Thank you. I hope for everyone listening, that really helped too. And now, like in your journey, you're down this path of getting deeper and deeper into birth. And I didn't know like how that transitioned for you. So I'm loving hearing too. But not that long ago, you became pregnant. So how did being immersed in this field, how was that for you in preparing for your own birth? Yeah, I mean, I always kind of joke that my whole experience with Every Mother Counts and then my own journey becoming a healthcare provider is it was just like for me to kind of have (laughs) preparation for my own uh, pregnancy and birth. (laughs) I mean, you know, my exposure to birth was women in developing countries with no assistance, you know, for the most part, just giving birth in a very, you know, minimally supplied and resource setting. And so for me, I was always like, well, yeah, I mean, that's how it's going to be done. That's that's how most people do it. I'm going to do it that way. It seems very normal to me to do it. Of course, you know, being close to emergency services, that's like the most important thing, of course, especially in those settings that I was watching women give birth in was they, they didn't have the access. So I wanted to make sure I had, you know, the collaborative team. That's always like my, that's what I love about this field of maternal health is the collaboration because as everybody knows, it takes a village to give birth. And so I just always imagined having this like wonderful community. But I I felt like my experience was very unique because I had gotten pregnant as I was working as a labor and delivery nurse. So it was my very first job as a nurse in the hospital. And it just happened to be during the pandemic, <laughs> during COVID, like at the height of the pandemic. So it was unfortunate. I felt that I didn't I didn't enter into pregnancy in a feeling my best. I was, you know, totally exhausted working. I was on my feet for 12 hours. I was working night shift and day shift back and forth. I was so scared, like so scared working, not just because of COVID. I was so scared working as a brand new nurse. Like it was the, it's the most frightening job in the world. And to be working at a time when there's so limited in resources and staffing and, you know, we had so many COVID patients and, the nursing environment is also just to scare you so much into, you know, being afraid to do anything wrong. So you don't, of course, kill somebody. So you're just constantly like tense. So yeah, so getting pregnant was not, I mean, I was very lucky I got pregnant very quickly, but it was, I was not in an ideal setting. I found it very difficult to be pregnant and to be working. So I actually ended up taking disability and getting off work after I was six months pregnant, which is a little bit earlier that they like try and keep you until 36 weeks as a nurse, which is just insane. But then I, then I got better. I was like, I was able to rest and catch up and, you know, kind of get back to like a normal physical and mental state. But I knew for me, it was like, I'm going to have the birth team of people that I love. And I feel very fortunate that I'm able to be connected to people, you know, in, in this world. So, you know, I didn't have to really do all my research to figure out someone to hire. I knew who I wanted to work with and who I wanted there. And my nursing school professor is this wonderful midwife. Her name's Sarah Sheely. And she no longer delivers, but I just knew I needed her at my birth. Like she's she's the 
embodiment of like of midwives and why I love midwives. And she luckily had a has a partner that she used to partner with in home birth, but they do other work together now. And her name's Amy Tinney and she's a midwife and she was still delivering and still delivers. So I hired Amy and Sarah was going to attend my birth. Oh, and just to mention that Amy, Amy's got a unique background. She was a, a nurse in the hospital for decades, but then she trained as a home birth midwife as a CPM. So I really loved that she had, you know, the full training in home birth and also had worked as a nurse, which was important to me as I was working as a nurse at that time. And then my my best friend, who's also exactly on the same path as me and my business partner, Willie, was going to be as, you know, there as my doula. We were going to for sure do a home birth. There was no question for that for me at all. I, I love working in the hospital. I think it's a very, you know, exciting place to, to be a part of. But I knew that if I didn't need to be there, then I wasn't going to be there. So we, we planned for the home birth and I had to really get into the mindset and I read your book. <laughs> I, you know, I needed to like calm myself because I had just all these horror stories in my, in my head. I worked in a very crazy hospital, saw a lot of high risk patients, but also a beautiful hospital because it's run by midwives. But I had to really tune out all those stories and what ifs. So it was a real mindfulness game for me and just having to like meditate every night and get prepared. And luckily my husband had been born at home, so it wasn't really a conversation. <laughs> we both were, we're just, it was fine. And we did it. Feeling comfortable. What, yeah. what a journey. Cause I think it is hard sometimes when you're in the hospital. And as he said, hospitals are really important places when we need them. Right. But the overuse sometimes of technology can also impair people's ability for their own bodies, right? To open to birth. So it was a lot to kind of go between kind of worlds. So do you want to share a little bit about what labor was like? Because here you've attended so many births and now you're the one in labor. For sure. And also I just wanted to touch on too, you know, what we see a lot in the hospital is is people who come in and they they don't really want to be in the hospital or they don't want a lot of those, you know, the things that are hospital protocols and standards. And I totally see the other side of it as a nurse, like you're doing your job and it's a really hard job and you want to do whatever you can to make it easier. And the last thing I wanted was to just come into a hospital setting and fight. I just didn't want to have to fight. I didn't want to have to put somebody else fighting. I just wanted to focus on on me. And so I think that's it's that's the hardest thing of, of being in a hospital. And it's obviously so black and white. You have home birth or you have hospitals and we don't have that many birth centers here and or birth centers that are really affiliated with hospitals. And so, yeah, that's really kind of the only options as I as I saw it. But my labor and my birth, <laughs> I want to know the details of it. Whatever you want to share. Yeah, I'm so hurry. Yeah. I love a birth story. That's that's my job. That was what <laughs> I asked everybody else to share their birth stories. And so I love, you know, sharing it. Yeah. I was I was pretty uncomfortable towards the end as a typical pregnant person might be. And I decided on the fifth day when I was 40 weeks and five days that we were gonna just try and do natural induction methods. And so we did a membrane sweep and I I actually put castor oil in a syringe and <laughs> inserted it vaginally by the cervix rather than ingesting it. My midwives 
really do believe that that also can get the cervix going without causing kind of all the other distress. So sure enough, that evening, and who knows if it was those inductions or what, because I was already five days past my due date. But I started the cramping and I'd had contractions like for a couple weeks come and go. So I, I was like, okay, so maybe they're coming and maybe they'll stay or they'll they'll go away after an hour. And and so that happened at like 10 at night and I couldn't really sleep through them. And, and it just it just continued on past an hour. And around 4 a.m. I called my doula, Willie, and my midwife. And, you know, I was just like kind of able to kind of distract myself at that point, but they were aware. And then finally at around 5 a.m. I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like I need support. Like I, my husband, I let him sleep and I woke him up, but I really wanted my my people there. So so Willie came over and then the contractions were about 5 at that point. So the midwife, Amy, came over and I felt that the contractions were like period cramps, like really intense period cramps, kind of like not the most unfamiliar feeling, but definitely not what I had envisioned. So any of my labor prep techniques like weren't really helping alleviate. I just was taking hot showers after hot shower. So that was like the most helpful thing. And so the midwife is there, the doula is there. And then... I actually had a very, very long early labor. So I hadn't really made it. I was still only three centimeters by the time they came, which was about, you know, eight, like by eight hours after my initial contractions, I was three centimeters. And then I, I could tell that something wasn't not, not right, but like that things weren't progressing the way that I knew that they could progress. And I, I'm close with another labor and delivery nurse named Ann Gilligan, who's in Minnesota. And she's really just like obsessed with optimal positioning for your baby and making sure baby's in the right position and that really triggering labor, spontaneous labor and making, you know, a quick and fast labor and not leading to stuck baby or arrested, you know, fetal descent, which you hear all the time of women being in labor and getting to 10 centimeters and then pushing for hours and babies you know, in quotes, stuck and then going to a C-section. And so she's like, what's wrong with this idea? Like this is, this shouldn't be happening. So her whole thing is getting, you know, through positional movements, getting baby in the right position. And so at that point I was like, okay, let's do these movements. She's got an algorithm. And yeah, so Willie and my husband and I, you know, in, in the late morning, you know, I still was only four centimeters, decided to do the algorithm. And it was very painful to do that with contractions. But I was in and out of the shower. We did the movements on my bed. And within one hour, I progressed to active labor to six centimeters. And at that point, I could finally get in the tub. And we got in the tub. And by the way, and Sarah, you know, my mentor, she had shown up and there, that was kind of like my breaking point when I was like, get Sarah here. Like I just needed it. <laughs> like I had everybody there except for Sarah and I, I needed to have her support. And it was also that Sarah had had home births as well with her two daughters, you know, and Amy's birth was very different and Willie had not yet had, had birth, given birth yet herself. So just like also knowing that someone else had been through that was very comforting to me and for her to just come over and tell me it's hard isn't it like it's hard but like you can do this <laughs> like I've done it like it's that's hard and and that was just just yeah just knowing that there was someone who I could look on to with that but 
yeah, it just was like a full mindfulness game. Just thinking always like the pain has purpose and, and, you know, it's, it's good. Like embracing the contractions. Like I just, I put on uh, the eye mask. I just like went internally. I, I just like had to just like embrace each contraction, like release my body. Um, but yeah, so after I progressed within that one hour to six centimeters, I could get in the tub. And once I got in the tub, things started to really escalate and my water broke and I started uncontrollably pushing, which I had never seen. I had never seen somebody's body in any of the births I've been at in the hospital just start pushing without them being prepared or being fully dilated. And I, I wasn't fully dilated. I was only at that point seven centimeters, but my body was still pushing. And that was really sh- scary for me because I knew that with the pushing, I could swell my cervix and, you know, prevent the baby from descending down and would have to transfer to the hospital, most likely end up with a C-section. So things were beginning to kind of move fast because they were like, don't push. And I'd have a contraction. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm not pushing. And then at the end of the contraction, I would just like uncontrollably push. But they gave me oral arnica. And again, within like 40 minutes, I was fully dilated. So it just, I talked, yeah, I talked to some some friends of mine who an OBGYN in particular, and she'd seen that before in the hospital. And she's just like, your your hormones have caught up. Your body is telling you we're ready, but your cervix is just slower to open up. So it's just a matter of, you know, the physical and the hormonal just like catching up with each other. And at that point, I was, once I got to 10 centimeters, I was like, okay, I feel fine now. Like, let's, let's push and get her out. And I, delivered her in the bathtub. I, I pushed then for only 17 minutes. And wow. yeah, my baby came out with her hand. So that was a little gory. So I, I did have a pretty bad tear. And I did lose a lot of blood in the tub. But I didn't, you know, for me, it felt all fine. But and it was all managed totally fine. But I did have an extremely hard recovery as a result of losing the blood and the tear was pretty bad. But the birth itself, like to deliver her in the tub and my husband caught her and just to be surrounded with everybody. And, you know, my family came over two hours later and we all just celebrated. It's just like totally bedridden. Yeah. So I think altogether it was about an 18 hour labor and birth. And then I think the most like, yeah, I think the most kind of like physical part that I remember was really just like the descent, like when they when when she came so down low into into my pelvis, like that that feeling I can't really forget. Yeah. If you were to pick a word or two that comes to mind to just like to capture your birth, I always love to ask people that. What would be a word or two that you would just describe the experience with? It's just so humbling. I mean, it's just like. And I love seeing now being in births after giving birth when people are just like, I can't believe all women do this. <laughs> like, like, really, no matter how much you've been exposed to it or seen it and how much like I knew, like, I just, it felt like my whole body just opened up and like, I'm a different person as a result of it. And just how hard that, that was. Like, I don't even know if it's the, the physical aspect and the emotional aspect is just so challenging. Like it's the hardest thing I'll ever did it do, I guess. I, I just, yeah, it was just really humbling to to be in that experience. 
And I know that you talk so much about having to need all the people, like you knew who you needed for your team. And I know that that's what you help people do now is create a team. Can you tell like people that are listening that are pregnant, when we say create that birth team, what would you say to them? What are some tips for them in finding who they need to have around them? Yeah. I mean, I think kind of the bottom line is if you're going with an OBGYN, 100% you need to do a lot. Like I just, I can't emphasize that enough for, for people is, or even, you know, if you're in a hospital setting, regardless if it's a midwife or an OB, like you really do need a doula to be that continuous support person for you. I mean, just that stability is so important. And the, un, you know, the unexpected is, is I think always like that kind of, you know, anxious feeling as you don't know what's coming next and having that constant person there to support you and you have a partner to support your partner. So we always advocate for doulas. I always, you know, tell people too, it's like explore the options because I think one of the reasons we started our company was to show people that there are other types of providers. There are midwives. There are midwives that deliver in hospitals. There's a range of doulas that offer a variety of services. And you, you know, I always tell people too, it's like, look at your family and friend infrastructure that you have and find where you can, you know, utilize your your personal support network and then where are those gaps and then how can we help like place the assistance, you know, in those gaps through doulas or what type of doula to hire or what type of provider or what type of doula to support and complement your provider because is it's not just like filling in, you know, your provider isn't just one person who's checking all these boxes like they are a human being and they do also you know you are kind of picking and choosing what you want from that person and you're you're gonna need to find somebody else to help supplement you know those areas of things that you might personally need as well in such like a transformative and vulnerable time as pregnancy and childbirth yeah so we're yeah we we help people kind of do that research and and provide more background as to what they're looking for what can they be looking for? What an important service, right? I hope that everybody is that listening is really taking that in because we really heard in your story just that how each person filled a different area and how you needed them all. This is, as you said, hard and challenging, but having the people to draw upon. What last tip would you leave people that are listening with and preparing for a birth? I mean, I think the the greatest, you know, offering that midwives and doulas have is that they have an advantage of being able to help you find areas in your life that might be challenging aside from your pregnancy and childbirth, and that those areas, you know, need to be addressed and you need to find support in those areas to help, you know, better your experience through your pregnancy and, and your, your, you know, birth and postpartum. It isn't just so straightforward as your vital signs look good and your baby's growing and then you're off, you know, it is like a, it is an all encompassing holistic experience that you're going through. And so if there's other things in your life that are causing, you know, some difficulty, it is very worth it to address those other areas, you know, like in focusing on your mental health, focusing on obviously your nutrition, your relationship with your partner. I mean, that was a huge, you know, area that we needed to be 
<laughs> like supported during art to make sure that I felt good in my birth. So that's the tip that I have. And, and, you know, is, is, is just trying to set yourself up so that you feel like you're in a really good emotional space as well as physical. Thank you so much, Clancy. So much wisdom that you've shared with everyone today. And I know that people would love to both follow you and be able to reach out to you for services. Can you share kind of all your places that people can engage with you? Yeah, of course. And thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, you can follow us at Pregnancy Pathways on Instagram. And we also have our website, thepregnancypathways.com. And that would be the best place to kind of see the work that we're doing. And if you're looking for help finding your birth team or just want childbirth education, and we're based in LA, but we do have some, you know, we do have our nose in other cities, just given the work that we've done in our past. So we're just happy to help people really at the end of the day. Just just reach out if you have any questions. Thank you so much. And I hope that people are going to be following. We hope that you'll both tag Clancy and us on our Gasmic Birth. What are you taking away from all this wisdom to kind of, I always say, birth forward and integrate into your own experience? We'd love to hear from you. And we thank you so much for listening in with us today at the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe.